Welcome to the Aptitude Podcast, the place to get positive about discipline so you can make parenting more enjoyable. Hello, I'm Michelle. And I'm Michael. And this is an exclusive Aptitude Podcast for parents, carers and professionals. On this episode, we explore why setting boundaries can often feel exhausting, especially when you anticipate your child's reaction or you feel guilty for saying no. We're going to help you focus on why knowing your own values and providing safety can help you feel more confident in setting boundaries with love and clarity. So setting boundaries, it's a bit of a juicy topic and we asked our community what questions they might have about their particular challenges with setting boundaries. So we have a question here from Jenny and her question is, I often find myself trying to enforce rules when I've lost my rag and I feel really annoyed and then the kids often behave even worse. What am I doing wrong? So that was a great opening question for you to start with, Michael. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I'm laughing a little bit because I kind of I, I've been there, and I think so many of us have, have been there, trying to solve problems, trying to get our children to look at the situation differently, trying to get them to behave uh, better um, from a place of bad feeling. You know, everybody's in a bad feeling, and the truth is that our children do not respond well from that place. So, you know, as was said in the in the previous podcast, I think it's really important to recognize that we, when we're in a bad mood, when we've lost it, then it's a red light. It's a very clear indicator that this is not the time, this is not the place in which to try and change the situation. We have to wait for our mood to change. We have to step back if we can and allow our thinking to change and allow our mood to change. And when, we, when that happens, then we can see things differently. We're in a position to have greater clarity of mind and we can see things differently. That's what I've noticed in my, in my experience. Well, it's interesting, isn't it? Because often when, when the child, child's behaviour looks worse because we just don't feel great anyway, and that's when we kind of bring in more irritation or annoyance into mm. the picture and then the child responds to that and then you're sort of it's like a vicious circle that's created and I remember years ago reading something that it said um, kids are really good at perceiving a feeling or perceiving a situation they're less um, equipped to interpret them so they might not understand exactly why mum is annoyed but they they can perceive mum's annoyance and so yeah, they're, they're responding to the feeling rather than the specific words or instructions. Yeah, I think that's a really good point because you know, seen from the child's perspective, you know, what, they're, what they're responding to is a feeling and the feeling doesn't feel good. It's an insecure feeling they're experiencing. And what tends to happen, of course, when children are feeling insecure is they act out. Mm. So what we're seeing is acting out as a consequence of insecure, it's insecure feeling. Now, I'm guessing that if we're feeling, if we as parents are in a good state of mind, if we can see from that place that this is what's going on for the child, that they're experiencing their insecure thinking, then the likelihood of us reaching out to them in a loving way because we love them, we want them to feel better, is much, much more likely. So that says everything about our ability to see the situation differently from a different state of mind. 
So the priority for us is to let that change. Don't try and fix anything. It's a red light. Just not go mm. there. You know, the wisdom to step back and go, take a breath, count to 10, whatever it might take, just to let that thinking move on and the feeling to move on so we can approach it with it from a more loving place. Mm. And, and I can relate to Jenny where I can, I can feel really, really irritated and it's almost like the urge to be kind of super authoritative and dictatorial and, and sort of tell people what to do. It kind of rises up. And then it's just having the awareness that now is not the right time. Because if there's that like feeling of tension in the body, like you said, that's that's the red light. That's that's when you you can't really trust that what you're going to bring is going to be heard. Because people aren't going to hear the words; they're going to feel the feeling. And uh, another question we've had from Marissa. She says, "I love my daughter so much." but find setting boundaries really hard, even though I know she needs to learn things from me. I usually end up feeling guilty because she gets upset, which makes me feel like a bad mum. But now I'm worried that she's starting to ignore me when I tell her to do things. Please help! Exclamation mark. Michelle. Well, I I mean, I love that there's sort of your wisdom showing through there because you're recognising the value of boundaries. So you say that um, she needs to learn things and that's so true and I think you know we're in families generally the parents are the leaders so we are there to set boundaries so that the child feels safe and so that they can learn things that are really valuable to learn so recognizing the value that and children it's not just that they that they need boundaries but they want them they really want boundaries because those are the things that make them feel safe. It's like it's a structure. It's a holding. And um, and so what I'm hearing is that, you know, you don't want your daughter to be upset and you feel guilty about her being upset. And I think so many mums can, can relate to that. And when we feel like we're responsible for our child being upset, I mean, that that's a terrible feeling, right? When we if we believe that we're responsible for them being upset, that's like the worst thing ever. But when we trust that the child has the resilience to handle things, especially, you know, if you're setting a boundary with love, then all you have to do is watch and see your child and how they handle it. And they might be upset or they might be angry, but watch how they handle that and how they move through that and how they can always come back to a a good feeling. So it doesn't make you a bad mum to set a boundary with love. You know, that makes you a mum who's offering her child exactly what her child actually needs and wants and you know they will come back to their default setting and I remember a little while ago with my youngest daughter she she asked I can't remember what it was she asked for but I said no to her and it was really clear to me why I was saying no to her and I remember her reaction she was really upset with me and she was like I will never forgive you and two days later I was racking my brains what that was and I couldn't remember, she couldn't remember. So I was like, wow, you know, in that moment, it felt so charged. And and I could have felt like a terrible mum because here's my daughter saying, I'll never forgive you. And then boom, it just flowed away with everything else that was going on. And, you know, she accepted that boundary. She found, she made her peace with it. And she did that because she's got that innate resilience that all children have. And I think it's really important to ask ourselves the question, so why why do we set boundaries anyway? You know, are we 
Are we setting them without any particular thought as to their consequences, or do they really matter? So I think one of the things that helps me when it comes to setting boundaries is knowing why and what the values are that I want to live by and I want my child to learn. So if I'm sitting in that place of being really clear about what's important for me, for us as a family, what has real meaning for us, when those boundaries are crossed by somebody within the family, being able to assert the importance of those boundaries is really, really, is really essential. So what you're saying is that when you know your personal values and your personal boundaries, then you can sort of communicate them with more confidence because because you know you're connected to why you're saying what you're saying mm. and i guess if i think about so my eldest daughter had problems with her teeth and so you know my values included not promoting sugary drinks in the house and not having sugary drinks in the house because i believe that that's in her best interest that she doesn't have a lot of sugary drinks and, you know, I, I've, I've learned not to be apologetic about it. And I think sometimes we can be apologetic for having our own values. But like, those are my values. They don't have to be anyone else's values, but they, they're, they're mine. And they're unique and individual to me. And I know why mm. they're important. Mm. So when I set those boundaries with my children, I can do that with real peace of mind. Yeah. There's something here about being assertive. And assertive means to me being clear about my needs, my views, my opinions, whilst at the same time respecting the other person's needs, opinions and, 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 and views. So if I'm clear about what I want, where my boundaries lie, and I assert them in a loving way, then my child has an opportunity to express their feelings about it. It's entirely in, in, their, in their right to be angry, upset. It's not fair, the kind of response we might get. That's entirely tr true to them. So one of the reasons we might be apologetic about setting boundaries is that we have a little bit of fear that our child is going to react to what we're going to say. They're going to react to our no. And actually, they have every right to react to our no. But in time, they will start to see the importance of what it is we want to bring. They'll start to understand why these values are important. They'll learn them for themselves. So let's be clear about asserting boundaries and let's also be really clear that our children may have a response to it. They're entitled to their reaction. It's okay. It's the way they're seeing it in that moment, but that will change. And I th and asserting as well doesn't doesn't mean power over. You know, I think we can often be concerned that we're we're sort of dominating our child by asserting our values, but I think it's just loving our limits. I mean, I I love I love reminding myself every day to love my limits. Like this is who I am, and and it's it's okay. And I can if I communicate that lovingly, then it's fine. Obviously, if I communicate that in a in an aggressive way or an unhelpful way, then it's not okay. But like you say, when you when you say it from a loving place, the child will hear it differently to if they hear it from an aggressive place or, a, yeah, or, or an impatient place. Mm. 
It doesn't feel like a personal attack on the child. It just simply feels like mm. an assertion of your own views, of your own opinion, what matters to you. And the child has a choice to see it whichever way they want to. Mm. And in time, they will see it your way too, because actually it really matters. And they can see the value of not having sugary drinks, for example, because it's not healthy. Mm. They'll understand that as they get older. I had a really interesting conversation recently with um, the founder of the Dangerous Dads Network, and um, we were talking about family dynamics in terms of boundaries, because obviously, uh, the, you know, the, whoever's raising the children, whether that's mom and dad or mom and mom or dad and da- or dad and dad, those two people might have different values about different things. Their boundaries and limits will be different. And so, you know, they're, they've got to navigate that collectively with the child. And what he was saying at Dangerous Dads is his experience is that sometimes dads feel like they're invited to lay down the law, that they're sort of being told that that's their role. And he said a lot of dads don't want to be Mm. the bad guy who comes in and lays down the law, but sometimes mum might ask him to do that. And so I thought it's really interesting to look at your family dynamic, look at who is potentially most comfortable with setting boundaries and, you know, is somebody compensating for somebody else? Mm -hmm. And not to make anybody wrong in that, but just to notice it and be curious about how that might evolve and, and, you know, who potentially needs more support in communicating their boundaries. Mm. Yeah, lovely. Um, I just want to go back to what Marissa asked um, about. Usually, She said, I usually end up feeling guilty when she tries to say no or set her boundaries because she gets upset, which makes me feel like a bad mum. I just want to clarify this point. If we feel guilty, the child, the child does not have the capacity or the power to make us feel anything. If we feel guilty... And we think ourselves as bad parents, then that's something that's some thinking that we're generating for ourselves. It's not the child's responsibility making us to make us feel like this. And if we fully understand this, then the chances are that we're not going to be reactive to our child. We're not going to make them at fault. We're not going to shame them or blame them for the feelings that we're experiencing. So feeling guilty is there's some guilty thinking going on here child is not making that happen yeah Mm. so and telling ourselves i'm a bad parent it's something we tell ourselves it's a story we make that up in that moment because it Mm. feels like that but there's no inherent truth in that it just happens to feel in that moment that things aren't going so well Mm. the bad bit isn't it's it's an addition to the story as we simply embellish it it's part of then perhaps the narrative that we're used to telling ourselves habitually about ourselves, but actually holds no real truth. And we don't have to believe all of our thoughts. We don't. <laughs> no, just because we have them doesn't make them true. Hmm. Lovely. So the next question is, well, it's more of a statement really, is coming from Leonie. And she says, I found myself making ridiculous threats or bribes just to get my kids to do what I want when we're in a rush. And I just need them to do it. And I can see I'm reverting to lazy parenting the way I said I would never do. Oh, I'm sure everyone out there can relate to that, like having time pressure and needing to be somewhere and you just like you'll kind of do anything to make it happen. Um, so, you know, for a start, 
sometimes we're lazy or, or we perceive ourselves to be lazy and and you know what there's a lot of pressures on us to do an imaginable number of things and often when we're the only person the only adult available to our children so it's okay like cut yourself a little bit of slack sometimes but in general looking at you know making uh, threats or bribes well you know the real root of that is fear so just being really aware when you're motivated by fear and um, obviously when you have a time pressure as well that compounds your fear but if we see our children as being um, untrustworthy so if we don't believe they're going to cooperate then you know we just that thought alone creates a, like a divide between us and the child we're not in a collaborative process at that point it's kind of I want this to happen and I'm not trusting you to do it and therefore you know I'm going to use a threat or a bribe you know which is in effect coercive and what it means is that we no longer feel like we're in our authority and of course if we're not in our authority we're not connected to the child and the child will feel it and if they hear that we mistrust them they will live up to that expectation and likewise if if they hear that we do trust them then they will live up to that expectation as well and kids are really smart they'll get wise very quickly to what situation they can trust and what situation you know, they feel like they have to mistrust. So when we set boundaries, it's really, really important to imagine that we have a common goal, you know, especially if we're talking about safety. So rather than it being two people struggling to get their needs met, it becomes an, a well-understood common goal between two people where there is no divide, but there is connection. And the message is, I trust you. And then you can, it doesn't mean that the child's necessarily going to like what you're saying or like the boundary you're having to set. But if they feel included and connected to you, they are more likely to accept that boundary. And, you know, it's amazing how often we will set a boundary without explaining why we're setting it. And I don't mean you have to go into some massive elaborate essay or kind of justify your decision-making process, but just a simple explanation of why you're you're setting that boundary, why it's important for the child. You know, often that alone is enough for the child because they're so innately curious, you know, they're so willing and primed to learn that they will be interested in that. I think one of the things that comes up for me when we talk about boundaries and why we make ridiculous threats and bribes and so forth is that we lose sight of the fact that there are two separate realities here. The way you see it, or I see it as a parent, and the way the child sees it. Mm. We make an assumption that this is how it is. This is how this is the, the real world, if you like, seen from my perspective as a parent. And I assume the child is going to see it the same way, that the child understands this business of time pressure, for example, that we've got to be out the house in 15 minutes. Now, most small children, they have no concept of time. It doesn't really matter to them, really. They're simply very, very present in this moment. So if we don't recognize that they're seeing it from a different perspective, if we don't, don't, step, don't step into their shoes and ask ourselves or ask them the question, well, so how do you see it? How do you want to move forward with this? We might find a place in negotiation there that actually could move the thing forward. 
But the barrier is when we assume that the child will see it our way. That's not possible. They will have a different perspective on it. So we, we respectfully ask what's going on, how they're experiencing, how they're seeing it themselves. So I'm going to move on to our last question from a mum called Claire. And she says, I've read a lot about consent, but last week my son went totally crazy when I tried to stop him peeling paint off the banisters. He got so worked up and lashed out and I had to hold him so he didn't hurt himself or his younger brother. Am I doing the right thing? Yeah, interesting point here, Claire. I think the first thing I want to point out is I think there's some wisdom in what you say. The act of holding him was really important. It establishes... It establishes the fact that you are creating a place of safety. When, when your child is acting out, then there's some insecurity there. And you, then the first and, prior, first and most important thing to do is to create a sense of safety. Mm. Now, how you hold the child is really key here. If it's done with love and authority, then the child will feel that and will eventually calm down. If it's done with aggression or any kind of violence, then the likelihood is that they're going to keep reacting, in fact, accentuate the reaction. The reaction is going to get greater. Um, I'd like to, it might be helpful here to tell a little story, something that happened quite a while ago um, for me when I was quite young, and I started a job in a children's home. There was a boy called Paul, and he was 11 years old at the time, and he was new to me and I was new to him. And he'd been in the home for quite some time. So he was well established in this children's home and felt pretty secure in it. But I, I presented myself as someone who was fairly permissive and he was unsure about me. So he would goad me into trying to get a reaction from me to try and see how I would respond to him. And then each time I was being very kind and generous and allowing of him and so forth. But it culminated one day in the living room where he started to flick matches across the room, lit matches, which was clearly dangerous. And I asked him to stop it, but he wouldn't. And he carried on doing it. And he looked directly at me, at me as if to say, what are you going to do about this? So I asked him to stop it again, and he wouldn't. So I had no choice under the circumstances to try and keep him and everybody else safe from these matches being uh, flicked across the room that I went to him and I held him, I held his arms, at which point he went absolutely mad. His, his anger erupted and he got really, he started thrashing about. And I had the presence of mind to just hold him tightly. And I took him up to his room and I put him in his room and I closed the door behind us. And he screamed and shouted for the next 10 minutes or so until he was utterly spent. He gave me everything he was worth and I just stood there and waited for all this to die down I didn't do anything I protected myself when he lashed out at me but other than that I didn't do anything I simply rode it out he got so tired he went to bed and I went off duty that night now I came back the following day and I was off duty but we came I came back for a party and as as it you know, just by chance, I walked into the house and the very first person I should meet was Paul. And he walked up to me with a big smile on his face and he gave me a huge hug. And in that moment, I understood something really, really important, which has served me all my life as a parent. 
What Paul needed was to feel safe. He didn't feel safe in my permissive way of being. He didn't feel safe in my simply accepting how he was behaving. He needed to know where my boundaries lay. And I made those very clear to him, but I made them clear to him in a loving, uh, in a loving safe kind of way. I wasn't hard with him. I wasn't violent with him. And he then knew where he stood. For him, that was hugely important. He knew where his safety lay with me, and he knew how far he could push me. Mm, I love that story. And I think sometimes when, when parents tell me that, that setting boundaries feels really difficult, I always remind them of the feeling they have when they put their child in a car seat because that's, it's one of those situations where there's no ambiguity about what is needed. So everybody can agree that having your car seat and having a seatbelt on is in the child's best interests. It will keep your child safe. So you don't question why you're doing that. Your understanding and your confidence and your your boundaries around that will be watertight. And I think that's a really useful situation to have in mind when it comes to setting other boundaries and remembering just connect to why it's in the child's best interest, connect to why it will keep them safe, connect to why those are your values and why they are important to you personally. And from that place, you can speak with real confidence and you can set your boundary with kind, loving firmness. And that it's okay for the child to have a response too. They will have their own feelings about it and that's all right too. Mm. They'll get over it, they'll move through it and they'll start to see the importance of why these boundaries have been set. They won't feel like boundaries anymore. They'll feel like values. Mm, that's lovely. And that hearing no is something they can handle. Hearing no means they have to go somewhere else in their creativity or their acceptance or their, their imagination. Hearing no is not a bad thing. Yeah. Can you see how saying no appropriately from a place of love, can feel like an act of love. Thank you so much for listening to an exclusive Aptitude podcast. Be sure to tell your friends about our Aptitude and Happily memberships, and we'd love you to catch our next episode so you can discover how tantrums don't need to feel terrible. <laughs>